Hello, ladies and gentlemen and runners alike. This is Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep Show. I'm excited, as always, but today's really cool, though, because I have my coach, uh, Melissa Johnson-White. She is a pro runner, an elite runner. Uh, she's on Hanson's ODP. That's Original Distance Project. She was one of the, f- not founding members, but she was on a while ago. I'm not saying anything else about that. But yeah, she was there since the beginning. Um, pretty much. Uh, she helped start like the women's side of that whole thing. And she was one of the ones that, you know, is she's just a legend, you know, like literally five time Olympic trial qualifier five times. It happens every four years. That's 20 years of excellence, bro. What? All right, anyway, let's just get into this. I asked her a bunch of questions about training and about running and about goals and about yada, yada, yada. Let's just jump in this right now. Sorry for my rambling, but I'm excited. Here we go. Melissa Johnson White. What's up, everybody? This is Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep Show, a show where we talk about running smart, eating healthy, and recovering like a pro. And then repeating over and over so that we can be the strongest, fastest, best athlete that we possibly can be. So without further ado, um, really excited about today's guest. I've known today's guest for about a year or so. Um, she's a legend in the running game. Uh, been around for quite some time and still delivering. I literally saw her just last um, at this March in Atlanta at the Olympic trials running. So um True legend, Melissa Johnson White. I'm gonna invite her right now into the show. Um, she is a she's been a Brooks runner, Hanson's ODP. Like the list goes on. Um, let me invite her. Time. So yeah, so I'm really excited to get to talk to her because she's helped me through my process of um, just becoming a better, smarter runner. Um, you know the cool thing about having a coach. I feel I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but. One of the cool things about having a coach is that even though like you can there's obviously books out there that can help you through the process and you know give you the mileage give you all the you know the information that you need um you know but having a coach like definitely there's a there's a benefit because you have like all these little nuances that maybe um to training and the like subtle movements and um the, some of the changes that you can go through oh my goodness um, so some of the changes that you'll go through during the training process um, that maybe someone looking from the outside, um, you know, objectively at your training program and all that stuff, um, it really helps to have someone that can actually look at something like that. I mean, because when you're in the thick of things, you know, it's just tough to sometimes, um, you know, see what's what's going on, see that maybe you're tired and it's maybe it's more than just you're tired maybe that you know maybe you need to pull back a little bit but other people can kind of see those things um and it just really helps to have someone be able to see that so um i'm a huge proponent of of going with the coach just because it's worked for me i mean i'm sure there's many people that have done it by themselves but and there's also it's really cool to just to be like have training just be like a no-brainer you don't have to worry about you know what's coming in two weeks you know like yeah you got somebody else to think about that and then they just they drop it on you based on you know how you're coming along in your in your process hey melissa can you um like exit the the um the live and then maybe like kill your uh instagram app and then come back in and maybe see if that works um 
try that and we'll see if it works but yeah so i mean so training because I, I know some people that uh, are doing like you know their own thing um or a ton of people that just do their own thing um and just kind of make it up as they go and just based on feel uh and if you know what you're doing and you know what's best for your body that's amazing um i know i couldn't do that because i would just i probably would run too hard too many times or too little like so somewhere you know whatever and you it's really important that in the training block you uh oh she did pop up what the heck oh there we go i think we're doing something here <laughs> i think we are good to go i got a request um thank you aaron um but yeah yes yeah here we go here we go all right so i promise everybody um the two of us put together are better at running than we are at joining instagram lives <laughs> yes apparently i was like i could see you and then yeah. I'm gone, but i'm here I'm okay here. we are here now we are here all right so like i i did this little little dance so thank you for coming on to the run eat sleep show um, I'm really excited to get into it, and um, I know we've talked before many times. Um, the cat's out the bag. You are my coach, so I appreciate all that you've done. But I really want to kind of get into you know more about you, more about you as an athlete, um, and then just we'll roll into like coaching later. Um, and then because I just think it, it's really um, kind of amazing what you've done in your career. And I have I, I did the math right. Um, I kind of tease the fact uh -oh. that. <laughs> I kind of tease the fact that you, um, I mean, that you're a, a five-time Olympic trial qualifier uh, and then a six-time world team. And then, like, just, like, ten minutes ago, like, you sent me that, like, days ago. And just a minute ago, I was like, holy crap. You know, like, the Olympic trials isn't, like, every year. It's every four years. So that just means that you've been, like, fast for a long time. You know, and it's not like this is a new thing for you. You've been qualifying for the olympic trials for 20 years so that's amazing and i just want to just throw that out there first but let's let's that's the way at the end because you just did your fifth olympics trial qualifier in march or april i mean february at the end of february the leap year um let's go back to like in the beginning like tell us more about melissa and like how you just got started running okay yeah and um it is funny and you know time flies when you're having fun like yeah. they say, and, and it really does. So I got started kind of a little bit different than most people did. You'll hear stories of people that started in high school or, you know, when they were really young. And mm -hmm. I actually went to a really small school, really small school in high school, and we didn't have cross country or track. It wasn't ever an option. But I loved sports, so I played soccer, basketball, and softball. Um, and again, we had small schools, so everybody could do sports. And I had some crazy idea that when I went to college – I wanted to try something new mm. and sometimes it's good being naive and coming from a, a small school yeah. I had no idea that it was a weird thing to just try to walk onto a college team and I had picked my college based on education which is a good reason to pick a college and I didn't have a sports scholarship or anything because right. I'd never run so I went to SUNY Geneseo and literally I think it was August called up the coach and said hey how do you feel about me joining the team and even as a D3 coach, he kind of laughed at me a little bit. I was like, well, you know, what's your experience? What's yeah. your 5K time? And I was like, 5K? How far is that? You oh, know, I, honestly, no. wow. I had no experience. I don't know how far a 5K is. <laughs> I don't even know what a good time is for a 5K. Yeah. So, you know, he kind of like, whatever, whatever. Go run a 5K. Get back to me. I'm sure he expected to never hear from me again. So I ran a 5K. Was exhausted. Ran, you know, every beginner's mistake. Went out as hard as I could. Yeah. 
but I did okay. I think I was, I think I ran around 2020 or something like okay. that. So right. not right. too shabby, you know, it wasn't yeah. world class, but not too shabby for someone that didn't have an experience. So he said, okay, well, I guess you can come, come walk on the team if you'd like to. Yep. So that was awesome because if I had not gotten that chance to walk on for that first week, I got to come the week early, like everyone else did. And I was the only walk on. This wasn't a normal thing. Nobody else walked on the team, but me. So I walked on. I was extremely lucky to have a great coach and a great team and literally went from no running experience at all to being an NCAA indoor 5k champion my senior year so that's how that's how good he was and I just loved it you know I've always been active but when I started running it was just it was even more powerful I just you didn't have to tell me to go out and run I just loved doing it and I loved competing so I felt really passionate about it and when my four years were up I kind of thought well what's next, yeah. you know, and it, it is a hard decision, what's next, and I wasn't a D1 runner, um, right, but right. I had gained a lot of experience over my four years, and my times had increased, I think my time leaving college was 16, 17, so okay. I'd gotten significantly okay. faster yeah. those four years, yeah. so it looked good, so lucky for me, literally at that same time, the Hansons Brooks were starting their women's program, yeah. because they had a men's program in 99, they started women women's program in 2003 okay. so came out and you view it it's kind of almost the same thing as a college recruiting trip you check it out you yeah. see the area and I was in I was yeah. all in like it didn't you know if they were gonna let me join I was all in so they let me join their first women's team and I moved from New York to Michigan wow. and I was there for 14 years in Michigan yeah. and then in 2016 after the trials my husband and I decided it was time to start a family. Yep. So we had our first daughter in December 2016. And I love everything about Michigan. I love everything there. But neither one of us had family. So okay. my family is in New York. His family is so, Wisconsin. Yeah, so you couldn't you couldn't leave the baby at the at the Hanson's house. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so who wants to babysit? Yeah, so, so yeah, who's not you know, long, had, who's not long running, running today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we made the tough decision to move back to New York so yeah. that we could be close to my family. Um, but the Hansons allowed me to stay on the team, oh, so that's good. I, I'm still competing for them. And then in 2019, I had my second daughter, so now we have two lovely ladies yeah. um, running around home, and I was able to. To kind of pull it together in seven months and qualify at the Monumental Indian yeah, Indian my trials qualifier, and then I ran my fifth Olympic trials. So yeah, so you so seven months after having a baby in 2019, you ran the um, Indiana Monumental, and what was your time there? It was 243, I think 24337, wow. I believe. So 243 in. Literally seven months later. So when did you start? When did you jump back into running after the baby? So I took five weeks completely off, <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> which is kind of a, a good mental break. I was yeah. lucky. My second pregnancy, I was I actually ran the day I had her, so I was able to run all the way up until the day I had her. Now it looked a lot different. Um, my yeah. paces were significantly slower. Yeah. I was running. You know, I think I ran four miles that morning, and it was probably around ten minute pace. But I had a lot of fun. Four, so you ran four miles the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun, and and then after that, yeah, I took five weeks off, um, and just started real slow. And it's for anyone that's ever had an extended period off or has had a baby, you know that it's ugly before it's good. Right, right. You know, like every day is just punishment, but it's good. You get out there and you enjoy what you're doing. But it was kind of funny because I thought, well, now I've had the baby and. I'm back to running, and I'm, I'm running 10-minute pace again. Yeah. And so I didn't wear a watch for a little while. I did about eight weeks of just running. 
and I thought, well, maybe I, I happen to Fourth of July race just to see where I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like, am I, am I, is there any chance this is possible? Yeah. And I jumped in, and my goal was to run 620 pace. Mm-hmm. And 617 is what I would need to run for a marathon to qualify. Just keep that in mind. So yeah. I ran a four-mile race, but I ran 620. Mm-hmm. and felt fairly decent and so that was that was all I needed to say okay well let's give it a shot and my idea was what do I have to lose yeah. you know if I don't qualify if I get injured if I don't make it big deal yeah, just, you know but just, you know, big, big deal like I don't make it nobody's gonna tell me that you know I'm a terrible person or I'm a bad runner like just go yeah. for it so I, I kind of threw that goal out there and I was lucky in the aspect that my training really came together um I was able to add the miles I was able to stay healthy um and it just, it was exciting to do that again because it'd been almost, well, it'd been almost four years exactly since yeah. I'd run a marathon. Yeah. So it was fun to be in that. Oh, so, so in the, so in between the, uh, in, in between babies, you didn't run a marathon at all. No, no. So my last marathon before Indy was the 2016 trials. Wow. So I literally wow. had one shot. I was like, here's your one shot, you know, go for yeah. it. Um, but it was it was fun to enjoy the process again yeah. and got me excited about marathon training again. Sometimes it is nice to step away a little bit because yeah. I'd run a lot of marathons and it's good to step away and miss it because mm-hmm. I was excited to do the training again. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately I haven't gotten to that point like in my journey yet where like I'm, I've been around long enough to like need to miss it because like right now with my, this whole injury thing I'm going through, um, I only took maybe like a month and a half, I guess, uh, or so off. And I feel like I've been gone for, four years. So I wish I I can, I'm really excited to be back running now. But, um, so when you, so when, just tell me like, what was the, in, in college though, because you you said something like you you ran the 20, like about 20 minute, uh, 5k, um, and then down to like 16 minutes or so. Like what, was it just like the, just the volume? Like what, what would you kind of like point at that helped you get that fast or that much faster? A lot of it was the volume, and especially because I had no experience. Yeah. So you know, you and a lot to... back to back to that being naive. Sometimes I think people put they put expectations or they just put limits on themselves right. because they're afraid of something. So I didn't have that high school experience, so I yeah. could never say, "Well, my high school coach said thirty right, miles right. a week was a lot." I didn't yeah. have that, and I honestly didn't know what was a lot and what was a little bit of mileage. And we had a good team. We had I remember being so intimidated at our first meeting. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, okay, this person is a state champion and this person is this. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't even know what a state yeah. champion is, but right. it's not me. You yeah. know, I know he's not talking about me. Right. So we had an incredible group of women and especially our top woman at the time. Not only was she good, but she was a good leader. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps a lot. So literally, I did what she did. Yeah. So if she, if her long run was 10 miles, I did 10 miles. Okay. If her, you know, if she tried to do this in the workouts and, like initially I got dropped, you know, so yeah. I tried to run mile repeats with her yeah, and I'd right, be there right. for the first one. And then, you know, by the third one, I'm way out on the back huffing and puffing, yeah. but it showed me what I needed to do yeah. to be able to run the times that she did. And so over the, over the time, it's like just getting a little bit faster and just pushing it a little bit and increase my mileage. So I'm always someone like, I think I'm lucky that I can handle a lot of mileage. Mm-hmm. And this kind of always been my thing. So my first year of college, I ran 50 miles a week, mm-hmm. which like I said, some people would be really intimidated by that, but I didn't know that that was a lot right, of mileage right. at the time. So yeah. I just did it and it didn't seem like a big deal because they did it. Right. And then I went to 60 and 70. And by my senior year, I was able to handle 70 to 80 miles a week, yeah. get some solid long runs in. And of course my paces were getting faster at this time too. Yeah. So that experience helped, but it is, remember it's a four year process. So 
what everyone has to remember is it's not what you're starting with, it's what you're aiming for. Yeah. So go slowly and be confident and let the body adjust to it. And those times came with that. Like, so when, I mean, I know you're, you're much younger than I'm sure, like a lot of the people that will watch this show. Um, and, but I just, I wonder like how, when did you realize that, when did it kind of hit you? They're like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I mean, obviously it wasn't that first day because you didn't even know how to benchmark, you know, or to compare yourself to what. But when, 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 in, when in your career did you realize like, okay, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this? I would say probably around my junior or senior year when I, my junior year, I moved into the top position mm -hmm. uh, for our team. And so at that point, I guess I kind of thought, okay, you know, yeah, I, yeah. here I am, like I've, I've made it on the top position. Yeah. Um, and then I think when I won the indoor championships, and even though it was D3 for me, back then we didn't have, we didn't have Facebook and yeah, that, yeah, they'll yeah. date me a little bit. We didn't have Facebook yeah. and we didn't have Twitter and Instagram. So I couldn't go on and see what other yeah. people were doing, yeah. um, but I knew what was going on in D3. And so winning that, I think kind of gave me the idea that maybe, maybe I am pretty decent at this. Um, and like I said, more than anything, I just enjoyed it so much. Yeah. So I wanted to continue racing and I was hoping there was something else that I could do beyond college. Yeah. And, um, and then like for at, right after college, so like, you know, for the, like the running nerds out there, like for Hanson's ODP and that's Hanson's original distance project. Um, what was it like to be like, I mean, cause I know that they had already started it and you know, a few years before for men. Um, but still like it's at this point, it's still going obviously. And so you were considered, I'm um, probably one of the OGs of like the, of that, of that thing. What, what, what was that like being at the beginning of something like that? It was awesome. And I think for me, not going to a D1 college and not having a full ride scholarship, it, it justified what I was doing. You okay. know, like, I, I was oh, like, to, okay, you're yeah. here. Like, yeah, it's yeah. you can really go for this now because you've got coaches and you've mm -hmm. got the support of Brooks, who that was what allowed the women's team to come on was when the Brooks, um, who makes running shoes and them, right. they came on and gave the money so that they could have this program. And we got to compete all across the country and you're going right. to U.S. championships now. So it opened this entire world of running I didn't even know existed. Right. Um, one of my first years, I ran an Ekaden, which is a oh, relay yeah. in you probably saw the Michigan Ikaden that they did. Yep, yep. Well, I did the one in Chiba, Japan was one of the first ones I ever did. And so it just opened your eyes to what running is around the world too. Right. And like I said, it made, it made it feel real. It justified what I was doing and it was exciting. You know, it's kind of a crazy thing, but I started running, you know, 19 or two, yeah, 1999 in college, 2003 at Hanson's. And it has just opened my world to so many places that I've seen and so many people that I've met. And so running is really powerful. You think it's putting one foot in front of the other, yeah. but it's so powerful. Yeah. And what was like, um, I mean, cause so you've been on the team for, um, well, forget the math. You've been on the team for a little bit, right? Well, I mean, what are like some of your like best? I mean, what are your, some of your best memories of being on the team? Because I think in a couple of weeks I'll be able to. I think I'm going to be interviewing someone else that's on the team who's a little newer to the program um, or to the team. But I just wonder, like, what are your some of your best memories of just being on the team? Or was it a race that you you know? What was it? Just a couple a night, or a long run somewhere? You know, what was it? A lot of it is the relationships I've built, and we did, you know, we saw some people come and go, but I would say the two people I trained with the most over the 14 years that I was there were Dot McMahon and Des Linden. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, those are two names a lot of people who are in the running world probably know, mm -hmm. and 
those were two of my closest friends. I mean, I was at Des's wedding. She came to my wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I saw Dot's daughter be born. We both ran through each other's pregnancies. So it was fun. So you realize that there was so much more that you shared just besides running there. So like I say, we really did. It really was a family to me. You know, we, we were all close and they were the ones that stayed the most. But I had so many friends coming in and out of the program that meant a lot to me besides just get their runs in. But it's so nice to have that group to meet. I mean, I can't, we should, I wish I knew the mileage that Dot and I or Des and I have run together mm-hmm. because it's got to be in the thousands. Like yeah, the yeah. amount of times we met and the snow that we ran and the heat yeah. that we ran and like just all the things that we did together, yeah. it, you know, it's kind of crazy. And so some of my best times are just, just spending time with them. And even, you know, I missed the, the meeting for breakfast after a long <laughs> run, you know, we'd go and then we'd have breakfast afterwards or yeah. we did some Florida trips or um, one of the my most favorite races that I did with Dot and Des were the Tufts 10K. Mm-hmm. It's the women's championships. And it's just a fun trip. They were great people to travel with and great, just great people in general. And running is, again, what brought us together. And so, so I mean, it sounds like, I mean, because I guess for me, and I'm just imagining if I was as fast as you, I'd be like, oh, my favorite memory was that one time when I won and everybody was there to pat <laughs> me on the back. Um, but it sounds like it was more just about the team and the and the camaraderie and the and like the the family feeling that you built or that you all built. Um, so like, how important? Like here I am repping. We went through and three today. Um, like how important are is it that people find like groups to run with, like uh, good run groups in their area? I you know for me I just I love the personal part of it too, and mm-hmm. that's what I love about coaching. But I do think that other people, whether it's, you know, virtual or in person, I know this, this year has been crazy, but it's that support, you know, because we all want to run well and we want to push ourselves, but having someone in your corner, that's what makes it really special, right? Is when you can share your success with someone and when you have someone to pat you on the shoulder when you have those downs. So I, you know, for me, I love, like, I loved my group in college. I loved my group at Hanson's. I think that really helped me take myself to the next level. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think groups do. Yeah. They help you take it to the next level. And part of that, too, is seeing that seeing someone that's your friend or your equal do something that you want to do. Right. So right, it right. makes it seem more realistic. So when you go out and you see your teammate and they just drop a fast 5K and you've mm-hmm. been doing all the workouts with them, mm-hmm. it should give you a lot of confidence that you can do the same thing. Yeah. And so, again, I think there's a lot of power in that group. But so much of it is that support, too, and that friendships that you build. And it's a social aspect. Yeah. When it's fun, when you're having fun working hard, you want to do that more. So I think the group atmosphere brings that. And even now that I'm here, I, I'm not as lucky to have that specific group that I can meet every single day. And Mm -hmm. I do miss that. Um, but I've tried, you know, especially when we're out of the pandemic, I love going to group runs and seeing people or I'll meet a friend to run because it just, it makes me go farther. It makes the run go quicker. So I think that's a huge part of success is finding someone that can be your support crew. So it's about working hard, but it's also about being able to share that with someone too. Yeah, and then for sure, like when you go on those long runs or, you know, well, maybe not even long, just some days you just don't feel like being out there. And if you have one or two people that are, especially if they're kind of around your fitness level, um, it's great. I mean, they make, you know, makes miles go by so much quicker. Um, yeah, sometimes running alone is great, too, because just kind of clear your mind a bit. But, you know, definitely if you can find a group in your area um, and, you know, we run through and three has been great for me. And I kind of... Um, I kind of, I started running with them like just after, uh, a few months after kind of starting to work with you, um, and I had put a lot of miles in by that point when I when I found them, and I was like, oh, this is great. So 
now I have somebody at least I could do long runs with, and it's definitely turned into more of a family affair, and I and I definitely appreciate the group. Um, and um, so yeah, so I I when you were saying like all these memories, that's that's all I thought about was all these long runs that I'm doing with the fellas and ladies. So it's really cool. So, um, but so and let's just jump back into this thing you sent me. Right, you sent me a list. I said, hey, can you can you send me like a list of like your achievements? And the list, like. It's like, it's pretty long. Like, it's it, it goes on and on. And I was like, okay, I don't even know how to read this. All I see is a bunch of first, second, third, first, 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 fifth. I'm like, geez. So it, you get a lot of, you know, obviously it takes, it. you have to be quick in order to win a race, to come in first, second, or third, or whatever, right? Um, but what could you point to, like, as one of the characteristics that you have that you feel, like, helps you push to be, successful in running you know on on race day because you there's there's people that are fast on not race day you know and there's people that are slower when you think they and then all of a sudden they they deliver on the day what are the one of the characteristics that helps you kind of push and last well a little bit is you know i talked about how long i've been in the sport Mm -hmm. you know so i've had a lot of years to to you know to hone in on my skills and to practice that um i think a big thing for me too is that i i love what i do too so there's a lot of people that are good at running, but they mm. don't enjoy it. Right, and right. so it's hard to stay in something for the long haul if you're not actually having a lot of fun. And while you said, you know, you've seen the page and it has a lot of accomplishments, there's a lot, what people forget is the behind the scenes. Yeah. So there, while there are a lot of ups, there are also a lot of downs. Mm. So I think one of my skills that I'm able to ride the ups and downs, and so I don't get overly excited about the really good days, yeah. but I also don't get dig myself into big of a hole on the bad days. So I'm able to, I've had some bad segments. I've had some bad races. Mm-hmm. I've had some bad workouts, but I'm able to continue to see that. So it really is it's talking about consistency is being able to put in that consistent work day right. after day, month right. after month and year after year. And we're talking about, it's been a long time. So it's been years that I've been able to put this work in. I think one thing as a parent that's helped me, um, and we always kind of look back and I wish I knew this, you know, when I was 22 mm-hmm. in racing, because I used to spend a lot of time wasting energy thinking about my race or getting yeah. nervous about different things. And now that I'm a parent, I have no time. To get <laughs> just, you don't have any time yeah, for yourself. Yeah. So literally, I have a pair of racing flats in my car. Things are already packed because I know if I have to think about myself on that day, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But it really helps because on the flip side, it goes, just go out and do it. You know, like this is what you've been training for. This is your day to show off. So go off and do it. And on the same aspect too is I used to get upset if I had a bad race or a bad run, it might ruin my entire day, um, maybe a couple days. Yeah. Now, if I go out and have a bad run, at least I got a run in. Yeah, you know, right, I was right. able to do it. I maybe overcame obstacles to do it. So it's just about getting out there and getting it done and putting the work in. Mm-hmm. And then you get to show it off. So have fun on race day and show it off. And don't stress yourself out. Don't overthink it. Just go out and perform and know that some days you're going to nail it and mm-hmm. some days you're not going to nail it. You know, so being able to ride those waves is, I think, what has helped me over the long haul. Yeah, and I like I like the fact that you know once you you know once you kind of, once you had kids and it changed the perspective a bit and you're just like hey you know um, obviously you want to do well in a race day and obviously you want to have a, all your workouts go wonderful but you're like hey you know at least I got out there and then the the good thing that like that, that I feel like you've kind of instilled in me like so far is that you know, even if it's even if it's a bad day like you didn't hit the the numbers that you wanted it's still a part of the, like the building block you know, mm-hmm. to get to where you're, where you're going. So 
Um, and then even on the on the flip side, when I have like a really great day and you're like, oh, yeah, you look like you feel good today. Pretty speedy out there, <laughs> which, <laughs> which means like I blew through the whole thing that you told me not to do. And then all of a sudden, like I'm faster than I was supposed to be by like a minute. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes the good days where you feel great could actually negatively affect like race day, you know, um, and could you. I'll jump back into like why you started coaching, but like, can you briefly kind of talk about that part of it? Like, it sounds stupid to say like, oh, you could have a really great day and it actually could hurt you in the long run. Can you kind of give me a feel on how that works? Of course. Yeah. And it is. And that's a big snake. A lot of runners make. Um, and I even did that early in my career too, as we get competitive. And so it's kind of knowing when to push it, not when to push it. And sometimes you need to be confident to just do the workout because yeah. the day where you really want to perform is on race day. Mm-hmm. And we can only go a hundred percent if we can even go a hundred percent on a few days. So don't waste that in the workout. And I know yeah. it makes you, people feel good and it builds up your ego yeah. and you're excited about it, but then you go to race day and you don't perform. And yeah. that's the day when you're supposed to show up. That's the day where you get to count your PRs where people get to see your name in the race you know, yeah, the yeah. race results, they come out like that's the day that matter. That's when your BQ counts, you know, yeah. so you could have all these great workouts. And if you don't do it on race day, then you don't get to see the benefits from them. And it does when I say it, it takes a lot of confidence mm-hmm. to just do what you're supposed to do. And sometimes as a coach, especially of really good runners, this is one of the biggest things we have to focus on is if the workout is supposed to be at this pace, 30 seconds faster is not better. Mm-hmm. And just because you can do it doesn't mean it's going to help you. So I think knowing why we have a purpose for every run and knowing that there's a benefit in the easy runs are just as important as the hard days. But of course the hard days are more glamorous. So that's what we want to go and hit, you know, hit a home run of the ballpark and crush our long runs and do all that. And while it feeds our ego, it doesn't always set us up for the best race on race day. And that's when we get to show off. So it's knowing the purpose and in running your easy days, easy and being realistic about what that is. You know, I'll hear a lot of times someone say, well, I can't run any slower. I'm like, well, if you can't run any faster on race day, then we've got to change something, you know, something isn't quite right here. So your easy days should look different than race days. And if they don't, then we got to change something, you know, so there's something that we need to change in in there and just make it different. So I think having a purpose is really beneficial and then being confident enough to not overdo everything. And so like, um, uh, where's that going to go? Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm assuming that when you said you know when you're dealing with really good runners, you have to. So I'm think, I'm assuming you're talking about me, but um, but yeah, like I I think that social like do you think social media like plays a really big role in all this because you know like you said you know it, it back you know before there was like Facebook and Strava and all that stuff you just ran you know and you did what you had to do and you did the work you know you hit your numbers because of timing and all that stuff, um, but how much of that, like, does social media kind of play a role in, in making people feel like they need to go a little faster and things like that? Because I know for sure that I've decided on this training segment that I'm not going to put, I mean, I know it's on Strava somewhere, but I'm not going to, like, post any pictures, like, with the actual time, my actual timing. Um, mm-hmm. Just so I don't, I don't think I'm doing it, but somewhere in there you're like, yo, I'm going to speed up a little bit because 8.45 just doesn't look very hot, you know? Um, do you think social media like can push people in the wrong direction? Definitely. And I have a love hate relationship with social media and kind of, you know, I think, especially for me, then it makes me want to post things in a positive way Mm -hmm. that 
I'm careful of what I post because I never want someone to feel like, oh my gosh, I have to run that to do this. Or I always want it to be a positive way of how can I help people? How can I motivate people? And, and I struggle with that because it's how much information do I give out or do I hold back so that I can be a positive light in Mm -hmm. someone's, you know, someone that's a beginning runner or an elite runner. So you want to give out information, but I'll tell you, I don't post on Strava and only for that reason. And I might do it more just because I want people to be able to see what I do. But I think we play that comparison game way too much. And, you know, we know what you from social media is people post their best days. And so if you're always comparing yourself to someone's best, you know, you're not going to see it's it's starting to get a little bit more. I think people are becoming more real and showing their bad days. Mm -hmm. But I see way too often, yeah, someone says, well, I don't want to run any slower because my easy run is going to go on Strava and then people are mm-hmm. going to see that I ran slow. And yeah. you go, well, but that's the purpose of the training. You know, this is a benefit to you too. So every day should not be all out. Um, the same thing with Garmin's or GPS watch technology. I have a love-hate relationship because if you use it as a tool and in a positive way, it can be really helpful. But if you get so obsessed with looking at your watch every 10 seconds mm-hmm. to see what your pace is, or feeling that need to race yourself all the time, it actually takes away from your training. And it's so important to run by effort. So GPS takes that away a little bit too. So I always recommend to people, if you can use it in a positive way, because I do think it motivates too. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many challenges that we could have. And especially in this time of a pandemic, social media has been, has brought us together, you know, and it's a way to have your community. So if we can do it in a positive way, I'm all for it. But if you are someone that you know, you're, it's going to mess with your head or it's going to mess with your training. Be very careful with it. Right. Happy, uh, happy guy just commented and said, I love my no watch runs. And my first, like, it's really bad because my first thought was, well, you didn't run then. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have a watch on, you didn't run. Um, no, I love that though. And as a coach, yeah. I always tell my people, if you want to run without your watch, you have I I'm all my blessings. I'm, I'm all for it. And especially on easy days, yeah. it, go out, do a loop that you know and run. It can be so freeing uh, to run well, watch free. Okay, <laughs> what I'll do, what I'll do, I'll run around the block. And then if I feel really free still, then I'll keep going. But if, <laughs> yeah. if I feel like a moment where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then I'll probably just tell you the excuse is that I felt like I was going too fast. And I need my watch on to, to hold me back. <laughs> Um, so, so I'll, I'll try that. Maybe not today, but cause I still haven't, I haven't done my, th- my three mile run today, but, um, and so, and, and you mentioned slow, slow runs or easy runs, not slow runs, easy runs. Um, like for people that are really fast, like, you know, people that are running, you know, five something four something to five something minute marathons, like where, like, what are the, what are their easy paces? Like on an easy day? Like, I mean, I know it's probably all over the all over the place, but like, what range are we looking at? Just so people like me can look at it and say, "Oh wow, okay, what what are their easy runs are this?" So mine really should be, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it is, and you know what? I hear this all the time. People say, "Well, you you never run easy," mm-hmm. and it might look like that. And you think of it, okay. Well, if someone is running a five to six minute pace for a marathon, their easy runs are still going to look fairly easy, but it's the same. It's usually about a minute to two minutes easier. So Mm -hmm. I can use myself for example. So my fastest marathon is 550 pace, Mm -hmm. but my easy runs would be 650 to 750 pace most of the time. And occasionally that even falls in the eight minute zone. So it is, it's one to two minutes slower than my race pace would be. Mm -hmm. But if you see someone running even 750 pace, it looks fairly fast. Yeah. So a lot of times people don't think that elite runners are running easy, but they are. So you've got to put that in perspective. So 
if someone's pace is nine minute pace, they should be running 10 to 11 minute pace for their easy runs. Mm -hmm. And again, I see a lot of people, especially new runners that maybe their race pace is nine minute pace and their easy pace is nine thirty pace. So there's only a 30 second gap in there. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of range. And obviously the more they run, that will change a little bit, but you want to have a bigger gap in there. You want to have a bigger range and you'll see that even more on elite athletes, their faster range will be farther away from their easy range. Mm -hmm. So they'll have a pretty big, you know, two to three minute gap in there. Um, especially if they're getting down to 5k or faster paces than marathon pace. So it's not, a bad thing to run easy you know i think too many people think i have to run hard all the time but it's it's a balance of running hard and then allowing your body to recover and staying healthy because we go back to that it's about getting consistent runs in good consistent runs so you can have the best workout in the world but if you have to take the next week off to recover from it (laughs) probably isn't going to help you in the long run (laughs) yeah and and then and i I think it just takes you know as some you know running maturity too i mean because you know for me i'll speak for myself like you know like you do see, you do get that comparison thing going where you're like, okay, well, <clears throat> this, this guy, I mean, he's a professional, whatever. You don't think about the fact that, you know, he's, he just ran a 450 marathon, you know, uh, a four minute and 50 second pace marathon, uh, average or something. And his easy pace is seven minutes to seven thirty sometimes or whatever. And it just, you just forget that like, there's this huge gap and I'm nowhere near, you know, five minutes flat for a marathon. So I, so I just, some of those days you just got to take your pill and just go out there and then just let it be easy and, and, and just chill out, you know, because that'll allow you to continue to keep coming back and keep running and build up that volume. Um, so let's jump back into the coaching thing. So when, when in your career did you just say like, Hey, I want to be a coach? So I got started with Luke. It was right around 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to do coaching. But um, right after college, I actually started coaching for Geneseo. So I was assistant coach for their cross country team. And that's while I was actually coming out to visit the Hansons. So I I ended up joining the Hansons and giving that up. And I loved it. So honestly, right away, I wanted to get into coaching. Mm -hmm. And while I love college coaching, it's definitely a challenge when you're trying to compete yourself yeah. still because you're, yeah. you know, practice yeah. five days a week, you're traveling all the weekends. So I kind of had to put that back on the back burner for a little bit while I was doing my running. And around 2012, you know, Luke was starting to get, he was taking on more clients and he was getting a little bit bigger. And, you know, I had said to him, Hey, you know, if you're interested in a female coach, I would really be interested in being part of this. And so we finally got set up and we started doing it and, I, I will tell you, I, I didn't know what to expect because I had done a college coaching program mm-hmm. and this was going to be different. It was going to be adults and it was going to be online yeah. predominantly. Yeah. And it has far exceeded any of my expectations. I mean, early on it did. I loved it right away, kind of just as I loved running. And so it's amazing the relationships you can build just by seeing, you know, communicating daily through your logs or mm-hmm. seeing someone once in a while at a race or talking through that. So this becomes your family. Just like we talk about with running is I feel a big connection with everyone and I love that I can be part of the journey. So I've now been there since about 2013 and you know, our business has grown and I've taken on more clients mm-hmm. and it really has, it has allowed me to be a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I just hope it keeps going and going because I, I love what I do. I love being able to share my experience and I love being able to hear different stories. And mm-hmm. that's the, the fun part of it is everyone has their own unique um, stories and their unique goals that they have, but the experiences are universal. Right. So 
you know what it feels like to have success and you know what it feels like to fail at something and you know what it feels like to put big goals out. Right, so right, right. it's that, it's that universal experience that we all love in running. And I want to continue to share that with everyone. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah, you've done a great job so far. Like, cause I mean, I, I kind of thought when I, when I started, when I joined and I'm like, Oh, well it's not, she's not just a coach. Like, she's like a like a actual runner you know um and because a lot of times you think a coach and you think of like you know some of the coaches that we've had in in high school and whatever that just aren't necessarily like they're not running anywhere you know um so I'm like okay well how's this gonna go and and I thought you'd be I actually thought you'd be more like oh you know pick up the pace you know you gotta go harder you gotta go this and that and I feel like you you give me a really good balance of like Cause I I would do that. I would probably beat myself anyway and, and go hard, you know. Um, so I I do appreciate that, you know, that you've you've kind of helped me stay like in line with my goals and making sure that like I peak on the day and not like two weeks before or today, you know. Um, and I definitely appreciate the patience that you, you know that you go through. Um, so with all through all the years that you've been coaching, like, do you feel that like impatience or you know with the process is where most amateurs that make their mistakes or what, or is it something kind of different than that? I'm not sure if impatient would be the word, but I think, and this is for everyone, when, when you start running, Mm -hmm. when you come back from an extended period of time off or you come back from an injury, that is the hardest time. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to remember that. And that's why so many people kept warning is because they run for two weeks. They're really pumped. They're excited. Mm -hmm. They go out and two weeks later, they're tired and everything hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, no, go. Like, why would I do this right. to myself, you know? And so you have to make it through that initial period. And yeah. it might be a month. It might be two months. You have to get through that. And then one day you'll say, well, that wasn't as bad. Yeah. You know, like maybe I'm starting to get the hang of this. So I think part of it is being patient to get through that. So yeah. we talk about the impatience. Um, and the other thing is, is yeah, like kind of sabotaging ourselves, I guess I would say. And sometimes we have to make those mistakes I think we all do where we we think I'm just going to run as hard as I can every day Mm -hmm. or you know maybe I'm going to do increase my mileage really quickly so it's that wanting the success to come overnight and running is a long-term game Uh, whether you want to be you know just a regular you know weekend warrior if you want to be an Olympic trials qualifier it doesn't happen overnight Mm -hmm. so the people that you do see have success are patient and again they're able to ride those ups and downs so what happens a lot of times is people really, really like it until the success stops happening, you know? Yeah. So when you initially start, you're P- just going to get faster naturally. Yeah. You're PR, you know? you so. PR every day. It's like, oh, I got PR'd again. Would you look exactly. at that? Exactly. But the know? Garmin, you know, it's shooting. It's like, oh, fast, you know, farthest run, fastest yeah. three miles, fastest six miles. So every day is this positive yeah. motivation. Like you're doing better, you're doing better. And, and the longer you run, eventually that point is going to come where, you don't PR and you have to decide like, do I, am I doing this because I love it and I'm going to work harder to get just a few seconds here and there. So it has to be kind of that internal motivation that I really, I like to do this and my why for everyone should have a why, why are they doing this? Why do you run? And that can be so many different reasons for some people it's health for some people it's to challenge themselves Uh, for some people it's to run a Boston qualifier Mm -hmm. to see how fast they can be. So kind of going back to that, knowing your why, Mm -hmm. and that's going to help you get through the hard days because for everyone there will come a point where there are hard days and not every day is sunshine and rainbows there will be an injury or a sickness or you stop PRing or whatever it is you know you stale you get stale for a little bit so there's always going to come that hard part and you need to know why you're doing what you're doing and that's a good motivation to have for races too because 
if someone is really racing, whether it's the mile to the marathon, there's going to come a point where it gets really hard. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do when it comes to that point? Are you going to say, oh, like I didn't train enough or I'm not ready for this? No, that's what you've been training for is this point. So what are you going to do? How are you going to push through? And is it going to be family members or a mantra or the hard work you go back on and and push yourself through? So that's how we kind of break through to that next level is is knowing our why. Um, And that helps us to get out the door every day. Right, right. You know, when a foot of snow is out there or it's 10 degrees or it's 80 degrees, whatever it is, or you didn't sleep because the kids were up all night, yeah. why do you get out the door? Yeah. You know, so you have to have your reason. So so what what is one of your, um, um, you just mentioned the, the weather, right? So <laughs> one of the questions that we got was, okay, with the weather coming in Michigan, obviously, you know, it's, um, I know you probably would just get out there and run anyway. But like, so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be leaning on treadmills, you know, soon. <laughs> How can we like optimize like the use of a treadmill during times like this where, um, you know, it's just 10 degrees. Like, I mean, I'm probably going to find a treadmill somewhere at 10 degrees just because I like my fingers and <laughs> I need to use them for work so I can't like have them fall off. But yes. like, how can we use a treadmill to to get stronger and continue and not lose fitness as opposed to running outside? Well, my biggest thing as a coach is always, and as runners, what is going to help you get it in? So if that's a treadmill, I'm all for it. And believe me, I'm actually one of those people that finds running on a treadmill harder. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't feel as easy to me. So I would, I would love to get outside as much as I can, but, um, you don't want to go out when it's too dark or unsafe, you know? So if you've got some women that are watching this, you want to be careful about safety. Um, I'm all for being tough, but yeah, it comes to a point where you go, it's just not worth it to go outside. And also you bring into work and families, you know, so maybe you have to run at four in the morning on your treadmill inside because that's when the kids are still sleeping or whatnot. So I'm all for using the treadmill to get your work done. And it does bring, it does build mental toughness, yeah. you know, so yeah. you go out and do a 10 mile run outside, you know, it goes pretty quickly. When yeah. I get on the treadmill, anything over four miles, I am literally, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm yeah. <laughs> I used to always, I used to always see people like, you know, put something over the thing. And this is before yes. I was a uh, before I was a runner, and I'm like, why do people do that? Like, you know, I, th- I used to think it was so stupid, but I did a 16. I think I, you already know, but I did a 16, a couple 16 milers on a treadmill, um, yeah. and you got to cover that thing up, like, cause you will stare at the time go by, and you'll think like, oh, it's at least been 30 minutes, and it's been <laughs> five, you know, and you yeah. haven't even gotten a quarter mile yet. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think treadmills are are and what, so the watch thing. There's like it's you don't know what to trust I mean because like you, you feel like you're on the treadmill you feel like you're going the pace that you normally like you you feel like you're going 830 or whatever um, uh-huh. but then the treadmill says you're going either much faster or much slower um, what do you go on you base it on just the, the I just go straight off the treadmill yeah. I don't even put my watch on just go um, I just go on the treadmill and you know that I know that they're probably both are probably off a little bit so yeah. most treadmills are not perfectly calibrated and most of the GPS watches don't work the best when you're on a treadmill. Yeah. So so I just go with the treadmill. Um, and what I would recommend, too, is, like I said, find something that helps keep you motivated. So mm-hmm. for me, I've actually used a treadmill more since I became a parent because it allows yeah. me to get runs in. Yeah. And I don't ever get to watch real TV. Mm-hmm. So I will pop a show on, and that helps me get motivated to get my runs in. And mm-hmm. I do majority easy runs on the treadmill for workouts so if you have a faster speed workout or a tempo run it can be nice to learn pacing a little bit but go a little bit by effort in there because you may find especially if you're using a gym treadmill 
you get on one treadmill and you feel like you can fly yeah. then you get on the next treadmill and 30 yeah. seconds slower feels like a chore so yeah. go a little bit by effort and you may need to back off the pace just a little bit so i find if i go on the treadmill i might have to back my pace off by 10 or 15 seconds for it to feel around the same pace that it right. would outdoors right. so be a little go by that effort a little bit too but like i said find something if it's a show or if it's music or podcast you know perfect time yeah to get some other stuff done and free your mind a little bit and just get on there and get the mileage in because it counts. Whether you do it outside, yeah. trails, road, track, treadmill, it all counts. So it's about getting it in. Yeah, a good a good show is definitely, you know, a good show or a podcast is definitely like a go a must have when you're when you're on the treadmill. I watched I think I was when I was training for the Detroit Free Press in two thousand nineteen, I watched uh, I got caught up on, on narcos. Um on the show Narcos, but the problem with Narcos is that half of it is um, in subtitles. So like you're just running on the treadmill, trying to like, and then you'd have to go back. I mean, so I, I would for all those people out there, definitely pick a show that is in your in your in your language, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, and um, so let's we we don't have to close out yet, but I just want to so what I guess. For your PR, let's talk about your PR because your PR is two thirty two thirty seven. Yes. Two hours thirty two minutes thirty seven seconds. Um, and just to, I mean, what ha what does it take to get to like you know to uh, to that like to your big PR? Not necessarily like you know miles and running, but like just talk to me about the day a little bit because like I've seen you know interviews of people talk about you know the day that they won or the day that they did this huge PR and whatever. Um, but it seemed like it, everything was just it's perfect or something that day or something really bad happened in the morning, but they somehow rallied. Like, what was your story that day? You know, it was good. And I, I think that PR was a long time coming. Mm -hmm. I had done the training that showed I should have been able to run it. Yeah. And it just didn't keep, you know, I ran 234, which is still good, but I just, I kept, something kept happening. So I'd fade in that last little couple miles mm -hmm. or, you know, I'd get a cramp or whatever. So it kept that 234 kept hitting over and over. And I knew that I'd done the mileage. I did the training. Um, and the biggest thing that helped me, and this is huge in the marathon, is the fueling. Mm -hmm. I finally did a better job and really got the fueling down. Mm -hmm. And for me, I need to take a lot in. Okay. So what was really killing me was that last 10K, even the last couple miles, is I was I just didn't have any energy. Right. So it's tough to put all this training in and to lose it because you're fueling poorly. Yeah, so yeah. I'd have that, you know, the get the blank stare and the <laughs> weaving. That was me, you know, yeah. and it's it's impossible to hold your pace when you're feeling that way. Yeah. So I finally I, I never want to say nail the nutrition because it, as soon as you think you've got something 100% figured out, it's going to change. But mm -hmm. I I did a much better job. So in my training, I made sure I was taking everything, something every 5K, mm -hmm. and I did that on race day. Um, I found something that worked for me, which the gel seemed to do it because it gave me a lot of, you know, a good amount of calories in a small packet. Yep. So I switched over from gels instead of just a fluid. So I really did a better job of fueling and pacing. So those are the two things I would say that led to my better marathon is, and it's, it's hard because you go out in that marathon and you're feeling good and you've got the competition going. So it was about being smart. I think I negative split that race just by a little bit, but, um, it was just enough that I negative split it. I paced well, I fueled well. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed me to be able to perform to the level that I should have been performing okay. um, for that. Yeah. I mean, like that's, uh, I've heard that, you know, many times like with, you know, with uh, elite athletes or elite runners that it's just like, Oh, well we had to get over a couple of things with, you know, with fueling. And it just seems like, you know, I mean, it seems obvious once you say it, but then it just doesn't seem like that'd be the answer. Like, cause 
you'd be like, oh, well, no, I, I switched programs and we ended up doing this other thing or whatever. Um, or I was doing a lot more glute bridges or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. something more like physical. But um, but it, 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 it helps a lot. I mean, because so we're talking to people that were probably running 5Ks through marathon. You know, fueling is different for each one, because like in a, in a marathon, you're, you're talking about fueling, you know, slightly before, but you're talking about mostly like during the race and how many times and how much of what. Right. But like so for, for people that are like trying to figure out how to go PR like a virtual 5K coming up or something, right? Um, what what is what's some advice for those shorter races for fueling and how to make sure that we have enough energy to go throughout that shorter race? Mm-hmm. And that's good. It is, you know, that's the tough thing about the marathon too is is that fueling is a big part of yeah. it. So a nice thing when we look at that 5K is I don't want to say it's not as much as part of the program, but you don't have to worry about having your gels all shoved in your shorts or having aid stations out there unless it's really hot. So, but what I would definitely recommend is, you know, in your training, we always say practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds silly, but it is, we got to go back to the basics and get those figured out so that on race day, you're just on autopilot and you've got, you know, what works for you. So I would practice the dinner the night before. What are you going to have? And keep it simple because while a lot of us aren't traveling right now for races in the future, you might be. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to find what you want to eat pretty much anywhere. Mm -hmm. So keep it simple. Same thing for breakfast, but I would practice the fuel that you're going to take the night before, make sure it sits well, um, see when you're going to have dinner. And then for a lot of people, especially for the 5k I hear, they don't think they need to eat anything. Yeah. And that's kind of a misconception. Um, you want to be careful of eating a huge breakfast 10 minutes before you're going to run out there because you may get cramps or yeah. you might not feel good, but practice your previous routine. So get up two to three hours ahead of time, practice what you're going to eat, and then you'll be fueled for your race. And you should, most people will be able to make it through a 5k without taking in right. a lot of gels or um, fluids, unless of course it's 80 plus degrees or something like that. But mm-hmm. most of us should be able to make it after that. And then focus on getting in some quick fuel afterwards. So for me, I mean, probably for gosh, 20 years now, my pre-race breakfast has been peanut butter, bagel, or toast. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what works for me. It's easy. I can bring it with me, or I can find it almost anywhere. It sits well. Um, If you're a caffeine person, definitely have coffee in the morning. You know, but practice with these things and see how it works, because even sometimes if people are coffee people, caffeine doesn't work before a race. So, again, we test all these things out. Um, And 5Ks and 10Ks are good practice runs, too, if you do want to do longer distance. Just because you don't need to take a gel in a 5K doesn't mean you can't. Mm-hmm. And you could practice what it's going to be like to take a gel when you're going fast, when mm-hmm. you're going farther, and how it's going to sit in your stomach. So it's always a good chance to practice for future events, too. Okay. So, pra- yeah. So practice what you – so your body – I mean, obviously, we're practicing mm-hmm. while training about, you know, physically and getting out mm-hmm. there and hitting the paces and all that stuff. But we need to take that opportunity throughout that long training block to to practice what we how see what just test things out and see what our body does well with. Um, so you know, really, the training block is a great time to do this whole thing. And so that day, you just do as little thinking as possible because you know, Lord knows, if you start thinking too much, <laughs> you know, it can go really, it can go bad. Um, question for you. I got two questions for you, and then we'll end it. Yes. First question: What? Um, Music, no music when you when you're training. So I love listening to music mm-hmm. but I don't wear it outside and it's more for safety reasons. Safety. Okay. It's not because I don't like it. So if I'm on the treadmill, music or shows oh, all well, the way if you, you know, like I, I can't run on the treadmill without it. But um while I love music outside, 
I don't wear it just for safety reasons. Okay. Do you know Zach? Do you know Zach? Or I think it's Zach Orlinas. Um, he won. He won the uh, like I think 2018 or 17 like Detroit Free Press, and okay. I saw him at a I saw him at a panel and they asked uh, music no music and then he's like um, yeah outside same thing outside no music uh, uh, on the treadmill he was like if you don't if you don't listen to music on a treadmill you're a psychopath because <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's true if you like if you just see somebody on a treadmill for like an hour and there's no music. And they're what they're like watching like the news or something like that and reading the subtitles. They're they're insane. They're losing their yeah. mind. Um, yeah. And then second thing, okay, so I'm doing, as you already know, I'm doing the uh, the Turkey Trot 5K um, virtual on Thursday, and just tell like, it's a short race, so it's three point three point one. What should I be thinking like each step of the way? Like not every step, but like how should I approach this 5K? Like so, exactly like how you would tell me. <laughs> yeah. So what I would tell you so. Basically, this and this is for everyone too, but especially you. That first mile should be about staying controlled mm -hmm. because most people get out way too fast, especially in that shorter race. So the first mile is about staying controlled. It, it'll normally feel okay. Like I want to say, you feel like you're racing, but it'll feel okay. And that's where people make the mistake and they go out way too fast. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come back later to catch you. So the first mile is about getting out, getting into a pace, but still feeling controlled. Okay. The second mile to me is more of a mental game. Because you got one mile in, but you're starting. It's starting to get a little bit hard already. But you still have that last mile. It's mm -hmm. kind of like that last repeat that you're doing of workout. You know, you you're holding some in there. So yeah. it's staying alert that second mile. So staying focused, keeping the pace going, not letting yourself back off because you're worried about that last mile coming and wanting to show off. So it's staying alert that second one and the third mile. That's when it's game on. So mm -hmm. that's when people should be going. Okay, stop looking at my watch go by effort and push, you know, so you think you've got one mile left. Okay. So someone, you know, it's, it's not a lot of time. So just kind of keep pushing yourself. That's where you're finding your why and push it all the way to the finish line. Okay. So you kind of break it up into three little chunks. It's about staying controlled. The first one, staying mentally alert, the second mile, and then game on mile three. That's where you lay it all on the line. Okay. So everybody, you just said it live and in person. <laughs> you, so if I go, if I do something crazy, <laughs> <laughs> on mile three don't say oh you seem like you you seem like you felt really good that day so i yeah I, but i definitely feel good i feel um because i did the uh, six mile run uh yesterday and towards the end of there like you saw it kind of felt pretty decent um and pushed there at the end um so i'm looking forward to it and i'll try to make sure i stick to the routine on thursday and there will be no big dinner or no there'll be there'll be no big breakfast on uh thanksgiving day um, so I'll just stick to, stick with the routine and I really do appreciate, you know, uh, you being on the show and you coaching me and all this stuff. Um, because I've definitely, I definitely attribute a lot of what I've done, I've done nothing, but a lot of what I've done so far, um, you know, you know, to your, the way that you go about coaching, cause the information's out there. But like I said, in the beginning, before you jumped on, um, that coaching just helps you. Um, it, it, it takes a lot of the thought out of it, but then also like you don't let me like hurt myself normally, you know, it's like, <laughs> Hey, you know, if, if you feel like this, you probably should pull back or this, what you feel right now is just normal. So keep pushing, you know? Um, so I, I definitely, um, you know, appreciate that. And what's, what, what's one thing from, from a coaching standpoint you want to leave people with, uh, and then how can they find you? Um, well, I think biggest thing I, I want people to do, you know, is reach for big goals. I think what I hate seeing so much, and we see this from young kids to adults, is people underestimate what they can do. 
And so I'd like people to challenge themselves. Like I just see too many people say, oh, I can't do this because, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's my age or where I am or I have kids or I have this. And so forget the excuses, okay? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to set big goals, okay? It doesn't matter who you are. Now you have to work for them, but you should set big goals and challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the worst you have to lose? You know, you probably gain a ton along the way. Even if you don't hit your exact goal, you gained a lot along the way. And that can be with friendships, with challenging yourselves, with goals and PRs, all that kind of thing. So don't underestimate yourself. Okay. Um, that's my biggest thing that I would recommend for everyone of all ages. Yep. Um, now you can find me at Lou Comfrey Running. Um, I, um, my email is melissa at lucomfreyrunning.com. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I'll try to be better about my social media. Like I said, I have that love-hate relationship yeah, with how yeah. much I put out. But I do think there's a benefit to putting some stuff out, too. No problem. And give a shout out to you too because thank you for having me and just so i say this with everyone too is you're the one that does the work you know i can lay i can lay the groundwork and lay the foundation but you are the one that does the heavy lifting and so give yourself a pat on the back and give yourself some credit for what you've accomplished and just let me tell you ladies and gentlemen this guy has a lot more so oh, there's yeah. going to be some fast times coming <laughs> yeah i was gonna say as soon as you said set a big goal i'm like okay well 240 coming at you in 2020 in 2021 so this guy's uh, got sub three a way under sub three coming so so get excited about it yeah yeah i appreciate that um well thanks so much though um i loved it and this i think this is it was a great episode and i appreciate it um and i like the episode with luke but i'm just gonna have to say i like this one better so well (laughs) anytime i'm available anytime you can tell him you beat him (laughs) um but okay thanks so much and thanks everybody for watching And this is the Run, Eat, Sleep show. And run, eat, sleep, repeat. Have a good one. Thank you. Man, um, that was awesome. I really appreciated that. Uh, Really kind of got into her mind a little bit and see how things work and um, how she structured my training plan and just the ways that she helps other people and herself push forward and keep going and keep improving. Um, if you need a, a coach, obviously there's a bunch of great people out there that are doing great things for people. Um, but from a personal standpoint, since I've only experienced um, my training with Melissa, I would definitely, I would highly suggest uh, that you work with her because she's flexible and really supportive um, and lets you kind of go off in your little crazy world and then brings you back into you know reality and what the next step is to get to where your crazy goals are. So, um Hit up Melissa. Uh, she you can find her through hand, uh, through Luke Humphrey Running dot com. Uh, you can sign up to work with her there. Uh, but then also too, like if you just if you want something a little bit different than that, just get a coach. Coaches extre- are extremely valuable. It really does help. Um, even if you don't have any like crazy goals, you just want to become a better runner. Do it for a short period of time if you need to, um, because the the benefits and the results will will, will pay for itself. So. Um, love you guys. Make sure that you always remember to run, eat, sleep, repeat.